This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Good morning and a very happy 2024 to everybody out there, whether you're listening on the radio, listening on the free Odyssey app, or hanging out with us in the chatty house on ESPN 1320 TV, ESPN 1320 You can find us there, twitch.tv slash ESPN1320. You can find us there as well. As always, we're taking your comments in the chatty house. So get in there and talk with us. I, uh, James, happy new year to you and to your family and your loved ones. That's the only time I'm going to say this. There's all this debate about like, hey, when do you say happy new year? When do you stop? Today. This That's is it. it. I'm done after today. I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm just going to say Happy New Year for like the next month just to like get under your skin. I hate it. Just like walk around. It's happy not, New well, Year to the lady at Starbucks. And then we'll go to Jamba and I'll say Happy New Year. Oh, I can't. I can't wait to loudly disagree. <laughs> say, actually, you know what? We're two weeks in and it sucks. <laughs> I like, guess the thing is like it's today's the second. We're all back at work. We're all, hey, hey, good, good to see you. Hey, if you want to say, hey, how was your new year? How was your holidays? That's fine. Yeah. Just, hey, happy new year to you. Like, dude, we're 72 hours in. Let's get this thing rolling. Fast starts. Fast starts out here. I'm just glad we don't write checks anymore. Like, I mean, I guess my wife writes a check every once in a while, but because checks you used to, you have to change the date in your head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how yeah. many times do you put the wrong date and then you can't have a check that's a year old? And then you're like, oh, either you got to like that's scribble pretty, it out and yeah. sign it like, and then it's put your thing. initial. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I don't know. I like. I don't know when the next time is. I'll I'll write the year because I I don't typically do that anymore, Kyle. Yeah, I I don't think I I do when I'm when I'm writing like 2023 season, 2024 season, but that won't come into play until well into 2024. So it won't be a problem. Okay, it's not like in school when you had to date, you had to write your name on the paper and you had to write the date on the paper. And for the first month and a half, you're battling between 1999 or 2000. I, no, 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 no. See, that's what's nice about the NBA. I do the 0203 or the 0304 right. season. You've been on that 2024 it, kick since October. Covers everything. Yeah, good for you, man. Yeah, you're well ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to worry about it. I, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about any of that uh, <laughs> until next season. But welcome to 2024, everybody. Hope that everybody had a great holiday um, and that everybody got into the new year safely, soundly, and. Um, yeah, on a high note, and let's keep the notes high. Uh, the Kings got off to got off to a well. They haven't started in 2024 yet, but they closed out 2023 in style with a 117-110 win over the Atlanta Hawks. 
then a 123-92 win over the Grizzlies. Meanwhile, the 49ers, on their last game of 2023, they beat the Washington Commanders 27-10, then got a little bit of help from the Arizona Cardinals, who downed the Philadelphia Eagles 34-31 out in Philadelphia. Pretty amazing game there. And uh, that secured the number one overall seed for the 49ers. They can now rest in week 18 before they get the bye. They get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Huge weekend for the 49ers. Big weekend for the Kings. Um, I want to dive deep into the 49ers in a bit, but with the Kings, James, I thought we saw the not two best versions, but two very two very different wins for them where they come back from 23 down against Atlanta in the first quarter. They're down 18 at the half. They come back and win it 117-110. But then they had a game against the Grizzlies where they win by 31 and just kind of dominated from start to finish. Which of those wins is is better for you? I don't know, to be honest with you. It's kind of like a weird buildup. You lose a bad game in Portland. Mm -hmm. You look like the same team that lost in Portland for the first I don't know, 20 minutes of the Atlanta game. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you crank it up and you're this great team. And then you get to the next game and there's carryover from that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a weird carryover from one game to the next where either they're really good or they're really bad. And sometimes trying to figure out who they are in the middle. I think the one thing I will point out, they're 19 and 12. It's the first time that they've walked in. It's the best record they've had since the 2004-05 season. Wow. So when they walked into 05... This is the best record that they've had. Seven games over 500, but 19 and and 12. And like, look, you can't you can't take that away from them. And then you look at the games ahead, mm-hmm. and it's easy to see how they could actually start accumulating some space here and maybe get to 10 games over 500. So yeah. two and one road trip. Uh, it's not the two wins I would have expected. There, the especially the Grizzlies game, I thought would be more competitive. Yeah, the Grizzlies have been playing well since Ja got back. Well, they, they were, and then he missed a game, and then he came back for a game, and they have lost. They had lost those two games. So now they've lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. And they look like a team that got like that that new coach, that new head coach like bump that we talked about with yeah. Antonio Pierce. Mm-hmm. But they got that with Ja Morant coming back, and then that's run its course. Now it's like... Who are we? How do we get together here? How do we figure this thing out with no Steven Adams? How do we figure it out with, you know, Marcus Smart there and no Dylan Brooks? Because this is the first time John Morant's really played with this group of players. And I thought it was really, really obvious that they were just a collection of pieces that had no identity yet at all. Yeah, that's that's very much what it, th- you and I talked about this extensively. Yeah. Like, man, even when Ja gets back, the Grizzlies are not, they would need to without John Morant somehow be 500 mm-hmm. to be competitive once he got back into the lineup. And they're just not. And John Morant is not the type of player. I think John Morant is very good, but he's not the type of player that is going to go. He's not, there's not that many of these guys in NBA history who are just going to come back and be like, all right, team, get on my back. We're going to win 12 in a row here. We're going to get back into the mix right away. Let's get this thing rolling. Like He's a good player, but he's not, he's not, a franchise altering um what were they what were they when it, before he came back 6 and 19 yeah like he's not going to make them 19 and 6 in their next 25 no i mean maybe i mean you got to look at last year they were what the number 2 seed in the west sure but no but that was with a very different collection of players no that's true there's no i mean 
you have Dylan Brooks is gone. You just mentioned Steven Adams is a big piece for them. Brandon Clark is a big piece for them. You're mm-hmm. still trying to integrate Marcus Smart, who's been in and out of the lineup. You lose Tyus Jones. That's a big a, one. Who was a big piece for them. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a there's a just new batch of players here that they've got to mesh and get and get everything figured out. And now they're at a spot the Grizzlies are where they're ten and twenty two. They have to go thirty one and nineteen to finish five hundred. Oh, that's not good. They have to go twelve games over just to finish five hundred. You know, Kyle, the crazy thing is too, we, we talked about like this weird road trip, right? Yeah, it's very strange. So you start in Portland where you get Anthony Simons. And, you know, I think Simon is he's very similar to what we saw from Jaw uh, from Trey Young. Mm. But the DeJounte Murray thing, like we talked extensively about DeJounte Murray last week because it's like, well, what if he becomes available, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like he, I think he is. I, I think it, it's very likely that he is too. But I watched him play and I wasn't overly impressed and like a lot of dribbling, a lot of like spin moves that don't make any sense. Sure. And it's almost like he's the, he's a, lower version of John Morant. And I think it it kind of prepared the Kings a little bit hmm. because it was a lot of the same spin moves. It was a lot of the same like herky-jerky motion, trying to force things. The difference is that John Morant can go jump over Ikea <laughs> and DeJounte Murray can't. Um, and I'd say DeJounte Murray plays a little bit better defense. But still, the style of player, I think while the road trip was weird and three time zones and all that stuff... It did one game kind of set you up for the next game with, mm-hmm. you know, unique players that you, you've got to, like, game plan for. And I'm not saying that uh, Simons is, uh, is you know, Trey Young, but sure. that style of player that just shoots from anywhere at any time yeah. and, and does these crazy things, he's not the passer that, yeah. that Trey Young is. But I think it just kind of like the buildup. It's like, okay, how do we defend this? Yeah, that very that very ball dominant scoring guard. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. We can. I want to put a pin in the Dejounte Murray thing because I definitely have some thoughts after watching him against Sacramento. Last thing on the Grizzlies. Yep. There is not a more fraudulent basketball player in the National Basketball Association than Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh. He stinks. I don't mean stinks. He doesn't stink. Let me take that back. That was strong. He is not nearly as good. If you never watched the Grizzlies and you only consumed like NBA content, podcasts, and reading and stuff, you would think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the like five or six best bigs in the NBA. And he is just not, man. He wants to be a guard so bad. And I just do not believe in, in the Grizzlies as long as he is just their, their anchor in the middle. Yeah, 18 points and three rebounds. Like at what point? What is this problem with Team USA too? Yeah, he he just wants to shoot threes, and and I get it. I mean that's kind of the way the the league has gone, but it's a tough watch, man. I, he looks a lot different with Stephen Adams there, like mm-hmm. because Stephen Adams will anchor the middle, right. and he can come in for all these weak side shot blocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I've kind of felt the same way. I I think if you put him next to Sabonis, sure, he would be incredible. Like, we would sit here and go, oh, my gosh, look how good he is because he is that shot blocking. He's kind of what you need. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times we always were looking for the piece that fits with Sabonis or the piece that fits with, with Steven Adams, and we're not thinking that Jaron Jackson also needs that piece. Yeah. You know? And that's why I think look at the the young tandem in Houston and how good those guys can be with Shangun and, yeah. and Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah. 
because it's kind of the same type of player. It's kind of like young Sabonis and Sharon Jackson sitting right there. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I think that's the ideal, but man, I just, I have not been impressed at any point with Jaron Jackson over the last season and a half, two seasons. No. And maybe it is. Maybe it's just a product of Steven Adams being out. And like we talk about with Sabonis as a defender, um, maybe Jaron Jackson is just miscast in his role a little bit, and they're just kind of missing that additional piece. But I'm I'm out for the time being. Yeah, he's certainly not three an Three rebounds are seven foot. Yeah, he's certainly not an all-star. He can't go get more than three boards, man. Yeah. Come on. Anyways, Come on. I'm just out on him. All right. I think it's partly because of the Team USA stuff. That started it. And then this year has been very, very telling. Because when Jaw is out, you're expecting a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. to step up and be like, okay, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to help this team win some games. And they just didn't. <laughs> they just didn't. Yeah. And I, I mean, keep in mind his shot blocking last year, you know, his defensive player of the year, <laughs> which I didn't see at all in this game. 118 at home and 71 on the road. Yeah. Like he got some uh, some positive vibes there. Home from cooking. Home cooking. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I just Interesting get, stuff. I just need to get that off my chest. Okay. All right. Big weekend for the 49ers. They not only got a win in Washington, but they secured the number one seed. What does that mean for them? What does the team look like uh, coming out of week 17? And then a couple of notes from that game as well. That's all coming up. Uh, and the 49ers did an NFL first. Oh? Yeah. They did something this year that has never been done in NFL history. We'll talk about that next on The Insider. Sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. You're listening to The Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320 and 98.5 HD2. Sacramento's sports leader. Now, back to The Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Plenty of Kings talk coming up. That's James. I'm Kyle. We're going to talk about a big weekend for the 49ers. They had everything they needed to go their way after a disastrous week 16 where they get smoked at home by the Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. And their star quarterback, Brock Purdy, throws four interceptions. And they just look like, oh boy, they are reeling. They get some help from the officials on Saturday night when they botched the Detroit Lions two-point conversion call. Then they got some help from Dan Campbell when he decided not to just kick the extra point and to try again. That was some straight-up buffoonery. Seven yards out. Just ridiculously stupid. The entire sequence was dumb. Uh, like, I feel for him because clearly the guy went and, and like, checked yeah, in. Yeah, the, the refs hosed it. Yeah, it's a total mistake on the officials. Yeah. But, but when that happens, like, to go for it from the seven... Then to get bailed out on a call, and then to just like the whole thing, man, just kick the extra point. The, like the funniest part about all that, I am with you. I we are in lockstep on all that. I thought Dan Campbell terribly mismanaged that game after they got they got screwed. And get like I said, this is not that the the Lions did everything right. They got the right play. They should have had the conversion. Now, granted, if they had announced number sixty eight, maybe the Cowboys cover it differently. But you, it doesn't matter. Anyways, um. The last two-point conversion try was there. If Jared Goff makes any kind of good throw, tight end catches it and walks in. 
Yeah. But he left it outside. He left it low. The guy had to try and dive for it, and then he drops it. But even if he had caught it, he wasn't going to get in. So uh, just a wild ending to that game. It helped the 49ers because they needed Detroit to lose and needed Philly to lose. Mm-hmm. The Niners go win their game against the Commanders, and then just a few minutes after, uh, there were players in the tunnel after the game watching that the was action unfold. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, watching that that action unfold in the in the Cardinals game, because the Cardinals came back and, and beat Philadelphia in Philly, clinches the number one seed for the 49ers. And of all the things that they needed, I think getting a Week 18 to rest where it sounds like Kyle Shanahan is planning on resting some guys, but then getting the bye week where they get an additional week off to get some guys healthy. I just, that, that to me, like forget home field, forget anything that matters more than anything, because I told you this during the game with the way they looked against Washington mm-hmm. prior to Traverius Ward's interception that kind of just flipped the game around, <clears throat> but Washington was driving in to make that a three point game in the second half. I thought they were just in cruise control. They did not look great. No, no, no. I thought I, they just walked in that game knowing that they're going to win no matter what. Mm-hmm. And they were just in cruise control. And I, I mean, that's not what you want to see. I, it's a little embarrassing to do that. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the coach was coaching and I don't think the, the players were like not playing hard. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that they had that little bit of extra juice. It comes with a big game. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And then there's the Monday night to Sunday 10 a.m. kickoff on the opposite side of the country tournament. Yeah. Like I get, I expected it to be a little bit sloppy early, and they were much better. Like I said, Traverius Ward got that interception, and that was basically the ball game from from that point forward. Washington never really got anything going again. But it, I was, you're watching that game, and you're going, man, Philly's going to beat because at that point it looked like Philly was going to beat uh, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Philly, Arizona was going in. It was seven to three. They throw a pick six. Kyler Murray does a ninety-nine yard pick six, mm. and then they get a field goal. Philly answers with a touchdown. It's twenty-one to six, and you're going, "All right, this game's over." I got, Arizona's got nothing for these guys, which would have made Week 18 a must-win for the 49ers. And you're going, "Man, this—they look beat up. They look out of gas." Yep. They, Christian McCaffrey's getting his calf worked on on the sideline. Like this is this is a mess. They're going to lose to L.A. Because L.A. is playing well, and the 49ers are clearly not. And they're going to wind up having to uh, to play in that first weekend of the playoffs. No bye. They're going to be super beat up. Uh, it turned out not to be the case. Yeah, I was more concerned with the McCaffrey situation. Yeah. Like, even before they pan to the sidelines and, and someone's like has his sock pulled down and, and trying to work on his calf muscle, I was yeah. like, I hit you up. I'm like, what is Shanahan doing? A lot of touches. He, he was at 16 touches already, and it's like, what are are you really in week seventeen? Are you going to hit this guy for like thirty five to forty touches in a game? Like, what exactly <laughs> is your is your problem? Yeah. Like, do you not understand that you still have another like five weeks to play? It felt it felt very much like they were trying to do to put them away early. Like they were the Niners were very much trying to go up by a few scores in the first half so they could you know pull Christian McCaffrey for most of the fourth quarter or whatever whatever it was. Yeah. And it just did not it did not work. I guess, but at the same time, I, I mean, maybe they were trying to get him his stats so he broke 2,000 yeah. yards. Boy, I would really hate that if that was the case. I, I don't know. The whole time I, I was sitting there, it was cringy. I was like, what are they doing? 
And sure enough, he he ends up on the sidelines with a calf injury. Hopefully it's nothing. They say it's nothing. The MRI says it's it, like very minor calf strain. Yeah. But like, look, this guy has a long, long history of, of injury and he's been durable for the 49ers. But, you know, like use your head yeah. in that situation. Yeah, they've already ruled him out for week 18, which is yeah, not, yeah. not a surprise. It sounds like Eric Armstead, they're not going to try and push him back into action for week 18. He's got knee and foot stuff, so they'll try and give him another couple weeks to see if they can get him right, and they need him for the postseason. You, oh, put, yeah. that, you put that down in the rundown. His absence has been glaring in the run game. I totally agree with you. They're very lucky that they got up a couple of scores on Washington and didn't allow Washington to just get behind Brian Robinson, their running back, Yeah, because he was cooking. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that might be the roadmap to to beating the 49ers mm-hmm. is that specific issue. Just just try to beat power them up. Game, yeah. yeah, power run game. You know, if you want to sort of negate, take away Nick Bosa and the pass rush, just run right at that whole side. Like, yeah. And I, I think that it's been pretty productive when that does happen. The problem is the Niners usually put up a couple of touchdowns and you can't just rely on the run game the whole right. time. Yeah. This isn't like 1985 football. <laughs> Yeah, sure. so I, I think it's it's just sort of the way that the league is is changing and morphing, but getting not only the bye week, but getting a week eighteen basically off a second bye if they want. It's yeah. a second bye realistically, yeah. and so that just it will help, especially. I mean, we're not going to see Trent Williams at all. I guarantee. Like, we're, there's no way they're running Trent Williams so out there a, in week eighteen. That's what I was going to ask you. So, so Kyle Shanahan immediately after the game on Sunday is like, yeah, we'll probably rest some guys. Yeah. And then on Monday in his conference call was like, we still got to work that out with the coaches. There's still some stuff we need to work on. Got to have a good week of practice. So I, I, I get that. And I get, you have to suit up 46 guys. Like you, you can't rest literally everybody, but Trent Williams, no chance Armstead and, and Christian McCaffrey already out. Yeah. I think a guy like I, I Brock Purdy probably not playing. I'd give him a quarter, maybe a half, just depending on how the offensive line's holding up. If so the that, offensive line is not holding up, then bail on that. So that that's my caveat to the Trent Williams thing. If you're rolling Brock Purdy out there, Trent Williams has to play. Yeah, you I, you can't you can't okay. roll, and it may not even be Jalen Moore, the backup left tackle, because he's in concussion protocol. Yeah. So I, I I'm I don't want to put Purdy behind anything other than the starting offensive line. So if Trent Williams doesn't play, I don't think Brock Purdy plays. Okay. And like you said, if if they if they do, maybe a couple series, just treat it like a preseason game. Just get them out to run a couple things that you want to work on and call it good. But yeah, that's I, what, I'm not running that risk, man. With yeah. their injury problems at quarterback, that's not a risk I'm running. Well, I'd also like to see Sam Darnold get some run. Sure. Because what if you do need him and he, he hasn't hardly played at all all season? Yeah. Like, what if you do need him in the playoffs? Like, get point. the guy out there. Like, let him stretch his legs. Let him get some some confidence, find mm-hmm. a rhythm, but he can't be out there with, with no running back with, you know, <laughs> sure. The other guy that I would sit is Kittle. I mean, yeah, he took that shot. I thought uh, his knee was gone. Like yeah. the way, like that's usually guys, guys for, to make a catch jumps to make a catch and then gets hit low as he's coming down. I, I that feels like it's a blown out knee every single time. He, the timing was just yeah. right on it. He was lucky as his toes didn't catch the turf and, yeah. and stick. Yeah. Yeah, really, really lucky. And I, I also, like, they didn't really talk about that much. That felt dirty. Like, that whole, that sequence there. Like, mm. they kind of high-load the dude, but he was, like, I didn't understand that at all. Like in, I think it was two guys trying to make a play. Maybe. maybe. Really I mean, the guy came in really, really low. 
So on the tackle, and I well, guess that's what you do. But but yeah, because if he tries to hit him high, he's getting a penalty. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, that's true. So yeah, I don't. Um, I, I Kittle probably doesn't. But Debo might play a little bit. Like they got a suit up receivers, so Debo might play a little bit. But I don't think he gets a ton of run. Yeah, Drake Greenlaw is another guy who's been dealing with injuries. I think if, if you're gonna sit a linebacker, I think he's the one you sit. Just, just gives it just gives them that little bit of time, so man, up. to to really refresh and reboot yeah. and make sure that they're they're ready to roll for the for the playoffs. So I, I think it's just it wasn't just winning, it just getting a bye week, it was getting two and, yeah. and that's huge for a team heading into the playoffs. Yeah, hundred percent. And if they make a deep run, it's that's going to be the reason why. Because uh-huh. making a deep run without that first round bye was going to be really, really difficult given the spot they were in. Um so if all of their 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 starters sit who we just talked about, Trent uh Trent Williams, uh Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy. The 49ers still in just 16 games. So I didn't even need the extra 17th game to get here. Mm-hmm. They're the first team ever with a 4,000-yard passer, a 2,000-yard all-purpose back, a wide receiver and tight end with 1,000 yards receiving, and then another uh, wide receiver, excuse me, two wide receivers and a tight end, all with 1,000 all-purpose yards. Yeah, that's crazy. I read that wrong, but you get it. That's wild. It's crazy. The amount of the amount of, of weapons they have uh acquired and then developed. George Kittle, fifth round pick. Debo Samuel, second round guy. Now Brandon Ayuk, they traded up four in the first round. But then Brock Purdy, seventh round pick, last pick of the draft. Pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean it, it's really nice it's really stunning that all but one of them are homegrown. Yeah. And then you yeah, you trade a bunch for McCaffrey, who everybody knew he was a star. So Yeah. Um yeah, I I, I just I don't have any any more superlatives about the 49ers offense. It's really good. No, it's and, really uh, and the numbers reflect it. It's really good and the other thing I point out the Brock Purdy's finish 4280 yards, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. I think if I went back and pulled the tape, that's the exact stat line you had for him before the year. Yeah, I said 42 4300 yards, 30 33 touchdowns. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Good call. Good call by you. Yeah, so Purdy also set the 49ers single season franchise pass franchise single season passing record of 4,280 yards eclipsing Jeff Garcia's 4,278 back in 2001 so congratulations to Brock Purdy the 49ers now um that week 18 game against the Rams is going to look like preseason football Rams have got their spot locked up Niners got their spot locked up (laughs) they're just they're they're playing for the postseason on Sunday that should be a that should be an entertaining one to watch all right the Kings also got after it this weekend they got a couple of wins uh, they got a win over the Hawks on Friday. They got a win over the Grizzlies on Sunday. We will dis- we will dive into some of the fallout from that. There was a lineup change against Memphis. We'll talk about that. There was a trade with OG Ananobi leaving the Raptors and going to the Knicks. We will talk about that. Tons of King stuff coming up. Plus, we'll uh, have a sprinkle of, of, uh, of NFL for you as well on The Insiders, sponsored by Jiffy Lube. You're listening to The Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320 and 98.5 HD2, Sacramento's sports leader. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Now, back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into 2024, the second day of 2024, the first workday of 2024 for us. want to remind everybody, D'Lo and KC are back this week. want to thank everybody who hung out with me and James last week. We were in Wednesday through Friday uh, doing a noon to two show. That was super fun. But now we are back, or excuse me, a 10 to two show. Uh, but now we are back into our normal 10 to noon slot. D'Lo and KC will be in uh, beginning at noon. So big okay. thanks to D'Lo and KC for letting us borrow a couple of their hours last week. That was very nice of them. Yeah, I'm going to bill them for it later. As you should. Yeah. They can have my back for a day after after that, that yeah. stretch. No, if you're good at something, never do it for free. I think Socrates <laughs> said that. <laughs> Kings-Hawks on Friday. I don't I don't have a ton on this game specifically. Um, the Kings ended up winning by seven. They trailed by 23, as many as 23. 31 to 8 feels like a lot more than 23 points. Yeah, it does. And like looking at the score bug and seeing 31 to 8 is like jarring. It was embarrassing. They came out like listless yeah, and without tough. any any fire match. at all. Yeah. But I think it plays into a larger conversation about Mike Brown looking at what's going on and literally just like having the quickest hook of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and I find it interesting that like he keeps he keeps pulling Harrison Barnes and, and Kevin Herter. We'll get into the Kevin Herter situation a little bit later. But the quick hook, he he understands what the problem is. Mm-hmm. But that's what he's got. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't sit here and, like, all, everyone wants this starting lineup change or that starting lineup change. It's like, okay, well, well that's not going to help you. And, and sure. the Kings starting lineup, realistically, it's been really good all season. They're like a plus 11 per 100 possessions. Like, they're good. Mm-hmm. Even they, if it feels like they're not, they are. Yeah. And so, anyway, I, I thought that, you know, they give up 71 points in the first half. They give up 39 in the second half. And De'Aaron Fox just kind of clowned uh, the Hawks. There was even a point where he started laughing with some fans on the sidelines. Yeah, um, they don't... The, the we, we were wondering on Friday's show... Like man, the Hawks have some good players. Mm-hmm. Like what? What? How? How are they so bad? They have good players and and I think a good coach and Quinn Snyder. I used to want a coach of the year, right? Is that I right? love Quinn I mean, Snyder. I, I think Quinn Snyder is a very good coach. Of the coach. Year, right? I'm just confused though. 
how it is that Clint Capella dominated the whole first five minutes of the game. Just dominated. Like, yes. Every time it, you it turn was... around, he was like throwing in a bucket. Yeah. And then nothing. Like he just, they don't go back to him at all. They don't play through him at all. They don't involve him at all. It's like once the game settles in, it's like, okay, it's Trey Young's time and everyone else has to watch, or it's DeJounte Murray time, and everybody else has to watch. Yeah. Like, how many spin moves do I have to watch? Like, stop spin moving. <laughs> so that was so. that's my thing with, with DeJounte Murray specifically. I don't know if he's a good defender anymore. I don't know if he's... he's Because he used to be the type of player that you could just throw on De'Aaron Fox, and, yeah, Fox is going to get his, but, but DeJounte Murray is going to make it tough for him. Yeah. And he's just not that anymore. So I don't know if it's because of the situation in Atlanta and he's just punting. And I, I, I think that the whole my turn, your turn thing that he and Trey Young do, I, that, I don't think that would necessarily be the case if, if Sacramento were to acquire him. However, if he's not going to be any like elite all NBA type or all defense type of perimeter defender, I'm out. Like yeah. the, the offense would be a bonus to the, hey, here's a very good defender who's going to help you there. Oh, and he can go get you. 20 a night if he's not doing if he's not doing it on the defensive end I'm out yeah and and I don't think like he would walk into Sacramento and average 20 a night you're looking at probably like again reassessing him is more like a 17 point per game guy on a team that actually wins sure 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 let me rephrase that a player who is capable of creating his own shot yeah and going and getting you a bucket in the mid-range he can shoot the three um, he can finish when he gets in when he gets to the rim. So he he's capable of that. I don't think the Kings would need him to do to get twenty a night. But my my bigger takeaway was like, man, he is defensively not what I what I thought he was. Yeah. That no, was uh, no, I'm with you, and I don't know that I would make that investment or I would wheel and deal because you know they gave up three picks for him. So I don't know that they're gonna they're gonna want a lot back in yeah, uh, in return. Although they're they're fully open for business. I, I've had conversations over the last couple of days, uh, the Atlanta Hawks are fully open for business. So uh, when you're that bad, of course they are. So I, I would say that they could undergo a complete reboot here in the next couple of weeks uh, leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, this is the same team that wanted to get rid of John Collins for three years, and it took them that long to finally pull the trigger on a deal. No, that's they true. they were just dramatically overvaluing him. So. It's a, it is a tough team to trade for because of that, although the Kings were able to pull off the, the Kevin Herter deal yeah. with them without yeah. any problems. So. Yeah, they swung that. Yeah, they've got some players. I mean, I would still like... Was uh, that with, that was with Schlenk, though, right? Per, yes, yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, and Travis Schlenk, their former GM, is no longer there. No, no, no. Now it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a strange... They have the weirdest front office in the league. Yeah, they have a, a very strange front office. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna dive into the fact. No, that they just that, that they hired Grant Lifman from NBC Sports well, Bay Area to step in, I mean, and I love Grant, but like there's some there's some uh, weirdness to that. Feels like they hired a GM and then went, hey, hire your buddies, just call your friends and bring them in. Well, they they have the owner's son as part of that, right? Who hired his friend, right? Who then hired his friends. And then they they've even hired like a babysitter. So like I, like I have a another person that I know works there that's kind of like a consultant, but like I, I think it's a babysitter site type situation. Just weird. Ugh, whole thing is weird. Strange, strange happenings in Atlanta. Maybe not a team you want to deal with. So I've decided ultimately where I land on the Dejounte Murray thing is I'm out. 
Okay. We had a, and if you missed Friday's show, we we talked at length about that. And somebody called in Thursday and and dropped that name. We were like, oh, okay, let's dive in. And I'm just kind of out on the idea now. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I I wouldn't be like a hundred percent out, but I'm certainly not in. And I think it leads us to like other discussions. Totally. What do you mean? Um, just because. Like, I think that there's some stuff hidden there that when you start to look at why the Kings are better or why that you're able to make a change at the shooting guard spot and stuff, I think there are some specific reasons that, that you're able to do that, which I don't think were the same case even last year. And so, yeah. You know, we do have a Jiffy Lou player of the game for for the for that game, let me, right? Let me get my buttons ready. We do. Yeah, tell me. Jay, I'll let you do it. Jiffy Lou fast break player of the game for Friday's game against Atlanta. Yeah, it's uh for me it was DeAaron Fox. Yeah. And so, finally DeAaron Fox wins a player of the game about time. Yeah, that cuz that never ever happens. That guy steps up and actually does something. Yeah, so go to espn1320.com, hit the giant logo there in the middle of the screen it says Jiffy Lube and then what are we doing? Fox 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 FOX. As easy as it gets. So but this plays into a, a different discussion here because... Real quick. Yeah. Enter to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. Oh, yeah. Of course. My bad. Yeah. So the reason why we're giving away a $100 gift certificate from Jiffy Lube to De'Aaron Fox is because he goes 8 of 16 from 3. And the game before that, he went 7 of 15. So in two games, he knocks down 15 three-pointers. He comes back. He hits another three uh in the the win over Memphis. Now, Kyle, I, I think this it's an interesting discussion because when De'Aaron Fox is a a mid-range shooter and a guy who finishes at the rim and the fastest point guard in the league, defenses have to defend him one way. They go under screens, right? And you need to put alongside De'Aaron Fox three shooters and Demonis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. When De'Aaron Fox all of a sudden becomes a 40.3% three-point shooter and he's shooting 8.9 threes per game, or I think it went down to 8.8 threes per game after the Memphis game, now you have different options on who you can start next to him. Yes. Fully. It changes who what what you're doing, right? It it changes the whole complexity of your offense. If De'Aaron Fox... I don't love that, like, a couple of games... Uh, this week he had like what 14 threes or 16 threes and he only took 20 shots mm-hmm. i don't like that i need him shooting more than four shots inside the mm-hmm. three-point range sure but if that's what he's doing and he's setting this up so what do you what i feel like he's doing right now he's setting up the entire league to say you have got to defend me at the three 100 and then once they <clears throat> they start making the adjustment then you're going to see him Hit the nitro button and be even more def- un, uh, like mm-hmm. undefendable. He's going to start attacking in a different way, mm-hmm. and this is just—it's a really, really smart player who is playing out of his mind right now. Mm-hmm. And I think when you see him doing that, it now becomes okay to move Kevin Herter and his three-point prowess to the bench and put in. Chris Duarte, who is a defensive-minded player, mm-hmm. and swap the two out. And I a think, good defender. Yeah, he's a good defender. Yeah, what we've seen like right away, he's calmed down. He's settled into his role a little bit where he's not out there like kung fu fighting every single mm-hmm. minute of the game, just right. fouling everybody. 
But I think a lot of this is Mike Brown is looking around like, okay, did Fox just give me an opportunity here? And yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> so he's shooting, as you said, 40.3% from three. That is his career high by 29 point, points. Yeah, 0.28, right? Yeah, 0.29. He but, shot 37.5% one year, On right? 2.9 attempts. Yeah, yeah. That's not a lot. That's not very many at all. <laughs> I saw somebody on on I I mentioned the other day Darren Fox and and he sh- how, how how much better he's shooting it this year and somebody said I still think he's taking too many threes. My argument is that if you're going to hit forty percent, eight point eight is not enough. Okay, I knew I, 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 <laughs> maybe a higher volume that number like plummets. But man, whatever he's doing from the three point line, I am in on right now. I and think- if he goes through a stretch of two weeks where he's hitting 12% or something, and it looks like he's regressing back to kind of the mean of, of the rest of his career, okay, then let's rethink it. But right now, with with how well he's shooting it, I am all in. And I and I get what you're saying. You don't want 16 of his 20 shots to be threes. Yeah. That's, that's probably excessive. But if he's going to take 16 threes in a game and make eight of them, I have a hard time complaining. Yeah, like, okay, <laughs> you're going to win. <laughs> I mean, right. like, if, if all of a sudden he becomes... Uh, like Steph Curry, but with speed. Yeah. And like, but I just don't know. Like, I, I want that. I I hope that that's sustainable, right? I, I I really do think that, like, shooting all these threes might be sustainable. But even I I think it's like the last I don't know like over his last eleven games he's shooting forty five point three percent from three on nine point mm-hmm. six attempts per game. Man, that's wild, man. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean that that really is wild, especially, especially for a player who coming into this year was averaging three point eight attempts per game from three. Yeah, and shooting thirty two point one percent first career, first career. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's a forty percent three point shooter. So I, I I'm with you. There's there's definitely an aspect of this. It's like okay, there's some level of regression coming at, you, at you some would, point. You would, you would think you'd think, but even still, if he's gonna wind up shooting 37 38% for the year that's plenty but i'm telling you Kyle the the beauty to what he's doing is the second that he starts to regress regress it's going to be because teams don't leave him open mm-hmm. and then when they don't leave him open from 3 he's going to cook it's barbecue chicken time yep like and like shout out to Luke Laux who has put a tremendous amount of work into into helping Darren become this type of player and mm-hmm. also Rosay uh Rosay Fox his wife um, she has also done the same thing. Like this has been a, uh, like a, a group effort to help him become the shooter that he's becoming. Yeah. And Hey, let's, let's give a shout out to Keegan Murray. Why not? Who sat there and, and worked with him all summer long and a long defender. They one-on-one all the time. They're working on each other's games. Like that's a big deal. Like mm-hmm. to play against a long, tall, uh, you know, athletic dude who who's uh, like making life difficult for you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like if this is how the Kings are going to be built, it does change everything because it used to be that you had Fox and Sabonis and neither one of them shoot the three. Right. Sabonis is out there, you know, when he does shoot, which isn't enough, he's crushing it still. Mm-hmm. A- and then on top of that, you've got Fox just breaking it out and having this, you know, spectacular season as, as a three point shooter. And, like now, now you get to start tinkering. Now you know you have mm-hmm. a better idea of what it is you need to go get at the trade deadline. Yeah, and I think it's 
watching them and I and I this is a little bit prisoner of the moment. And I and I think that this will will change for me over the next maybe week or two. But when you watch them against Memphis and you watch them dismantle that team by yeah. 31. And now anytime a team beats a team by 31 they're going to look great and you're going to go, "Oh wow, this is So I'm again, I'm trying not to overreact. But let's overreact. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's our job. Um no, I I'm 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 willing to here we go. Here's how I'm not going to overreact. I am more open to the idea now that the Kings can be more competitive in the playoffs than I thought they could without a huge change to their roster. Mm. I still think they need to make some changes. I still think they need to shore up their rotation, whether that's a player in the starting unit or or not. I, I'm I'm you know TBD, but I I think they need to still shore up their their eight nine man rotation for the playoffs. But I don't think that necessarily needs to be a starting caliber player now, because if Chris Duarte going into the starting lineup, and God bless Chris Duarte, good player, but if that small change made you that much better defensively, as good as they were against the Grizzlies the other night. They gave up 92 points. They have not allowed 30 points in a quarter in any of their last six quarters. Mm. They've been so good on that end. And if this is all it took was Chris Duarte into the starting lineup, now all of a sudden I'm looking at Keldon Johnson, Alex Caruso, a player like that that we're going, okay, yeah, they're fine players, but I mean, how much better do they make you really? Well, to me now that could make you a lot better. Yeah. If just Chris Duarte is going to make your defense as good as it was the other night. Mike Brown called it the best defensive performance the Kings have had since he's been here. That incredible. That's great. If they continue this trend, now all of a sudden at the deadline I'm going, "Man, if you're putting this this offense in a 7-game series, that's tough to deal with regardless. But if you now are confident that you can throw out some sort of defensive lineup, Mhm. That is going to say, okay, maybe they're not as good offensively, but if you have a defensive lineup that you're confident can go get you a stop or a few stops in a row over the course of uh, over the course of a few minutes, now that's where for for me, I'm going, okay, maybe maybe you like them in a second round series. Maybe you like what they can do against whoever they face in the conference final. Okay. But again, now I need to we saw, remember the game in Brooklyn last year where they kind of grinded out a win against the Nets? Okay. And Mike Brown, after the game, I remember, he was like, I'm glad to see that we could win this type of game. We haven't won a game like this all year. You got to win in different ways, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this Memphis game is just that. Maybe they, oh, hey, they had a really good defensive performance and it all falls apart over the next couple of next couple weeks. But I like that foundation. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally see like the path forward here. I just, Chris Duarte needs to prove that number one, he can grow into the role. Number mm-hmm. two, he can stay healthy because yeah. that's been an issue. And number three, he can stay out of foul trouble. And no if, doubt. And if he can do, do those three things, I think if he starts to grow into that role and he starts to become like a, a solid, like he needs to take the three point shot. Like he can't sit there and, and start dribbling yes. every single time. Like stop Correct. with the dribbling. Like sometimes you can do that, but it's like he always wants to get in the two-man game with Domas, but he doesn't even want to shoot it in the two-man game. 
He wants <laughs> to give it back to Domas. It's the one and, and a half man game. Yeah, so you're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, how about you just catch and shoot? But yeah. if he can grow into that role, and even if he shoots, say, like 35, 36% from three, okay, that's fine. Make teams guard him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what I'm talking about is at this point, Chris Duarte is shooting 36.7% from the field and 30% from, from three. Like, he has not been an impactful offensive player at all. Mm-hmm. If he can settle into this role, the role will continue to morph and he'll get more and more responsibilities by the end of this season. If this is what Mike Brown is going to do, and I'm not convinced 100% that he is going to stick with this, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there comes a point where if one of your major trade assets is Kevin Herter, um, you don't want to devalue him. And so, like, this might be a temporary thing with Kevin's hand. We don't know what's going to happen here, right? Mm-hmm. But if Duarte does grow into this role, there will come a point where you're going to see him take on the toughest defensive assignment on the perimeter, mm-hmm. and that will allow De'Aaron Fox mm-hmm. to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And my concern right now isn't that De'Aaron Fox is, you know, is going to be able to maintain 30 points a game or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that we might get to a point where he's trying to maintain that type of scoring average and his efficiency is going to go in the tank because he's playing 35, 36 minutes a night and he's defending at a, at a high level. You need someone to be able to take some of the pressure off for him in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think Malik Monk is already stepping up and saying, hey, I got some of that, mm-hmm. right? He's taken on this this role where he's eating more and more minutes at the as a primary ball scorer, whether it's with the first unit or the second unit. Mm-hmm. He's taking some pressure off Fox where you can have Fox float around the perimeter and just shoot threes and relax. Mm-hmm. If you can get someone to take some of the defensive pressure off, which would be Duarte, mm-hmm. that would be big as well. Yeah, and then if you can, if you can, and this gets back to what I was talking about, if you can throw out a lineup of Fox, Duarte, Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes in a in a postseason setting, where that's four defenders now that you feel at least okay about, you it's a switchable lineup. It gives you a genuinely really good perimeter defender in Chris Duarte. You have a player like Keegan Murray who we've seen in spots this year, go guard Davion Mitchell for an entire, or excuse me, Donovan Mitchell (laughs) for an entire game. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten that backwards. Oh, interesting. Like I usually mean to say Davion Mitchell and I say Donovan. This is the first time I've ever said Donovan. Said Davion, I meant Donovan. Anyways, where we've seen Keegan Murray take on that assignment. And so if it's Chris Duarte and you get Keegan Murray playing like that, De'Aaron Fox is a very good defender. Harrison Barnes is a fine defender still. If you have those four running around on the perimeter in a in a playoff setting, like you, you, again going back to, can you get a stop when you need one? I like that lineup to get a stop. Yeah. So, it, it, but again, it comes back to what you were saying about Duarte, where the Kings aren't going to play him in a big spot if he's if they're playing four on five offensively, because yeah. the team doesn't feel the need to guard him on the perimeter. He needs to settle down. Like mm-hmm. on both ends of the court, we're seeing him settle down a little bit on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, he's still kind of like hopped up. You're like, hey man, just kind of simmer down. You'll you'll be okay. Part of me part of me wonders if that's because his his role has been uh, inconsistent this year. But maybe Mike Brown putting him in the starting lineup. This is like, hey, you're the starting two guard. Go go. You have earned that spot. Now go keep it. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that helps him where he doesn't feel so much pressure to try and I don't know 
just relax and play. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Mike Brown tonight uh, during pregame and kind of figure out if that's what his idea is here. Because, mm-hmm. again, this could be like, well, Herder's dinged up and he, he needs a break, a mental break. Mm-hmm. Or is this like, hey, this is what we're doing now. And if this is what they're doing, that's fine. But I, I kind of want to have him like say what it is that he's looking for from Duarte. And let's be honest, what what are you looking for from Kevin Herter? Because I think one of the questions in the chatty house earlier was, you know, what does this mean for Kevin Herter? And the fact is, there are no extra shots in the starting lineup. Like mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes has dealt with it all year long. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is at 22 shots per game. Demona Sabonis is taking an extra shot per game. You're seeing a guy like Keegan Murray get an extra couple of shots. Like those fourth and fifth starters, you don't need them to be like incredible offensive players, but they have to hit the three and they have to at least be competent, mm-hmm. right? If like Duarte's done a nice job with some back cuts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? But you you have to at least play them. Like someone has to defend them because if not, that's when you start gumming up with Sabonis and you start gumming up things for Fox. So. Yeah. For me, I I, I want to hear Mike say what his plan is. And then, again, I think Kevin Herter might be able to flourish off the bench alongside a guy like uh, Malik Monk who's setting up people all over the place. Mm-hmm. If he's just floating around as a shooter, he might get his confidence back in that role. And the the key is uh, you don't want to totally devalue him because like I, I think that they are looking for uh, a move, and, and he would probably be the one that would go if they are looking for a move. Speaking of moves... I'm glad you brought that up. OGN and OB got traded. I don't think the Kings necessarily whiffed because I don't I don't we'll we'll talk about the package that the Knicks sent and and what the Kings could have could have done to try and match it. But I think that Knicks trade is very, very or the Pascal Siakam trade excuse me. The OGN and OB trade with the Knicks is very telling for what a Pascal Siakam deal might look like. And we'll talk about that next. He's James. I'm Kyle. We're the Insiders on ESPN 1320. You're listening to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320 and 98.5 HD2, Sacramento Sports Leader. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.